You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time to think. Up the floor. Reza drop down. Kobe! Oh! A high! Down hard! Kobe Bryant! Very deep, yeah. Blocked by LeBron! That basketball will never be the same! So that now has entered the And we are back on Hardwood Radio, Benoit Lelievre, with myself, Kevin Lagame. Benoit, the playoffs are crazy this year. We thought they were wrapped up in a few series, but uh, some teams decided otherwise. And, well, some not truly surprises with the Cavaliers and the Warriors literally running roughshod against their opponent in the first round. Well, good. I mean, they're, 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 the playoffs are very good this year. Last year, the series were dud. Uh, this year, they were heading, their first round was heading to be a dud, but some monkey wrenches were thrown in the, some teams' plan. Uh, some injuries happened, and some key players uh, missed out. And some of these series, uh, like five of these eight series, are all still up for grabs right now. We we still don't know what the portrait of the second round would be. Let's start with the ones that are wrapped up. And maybe the biggest yes. surprise in the playoffs so far this year it was OKC's performance. We were maybe expecting more, but when you look deep down and the reason behind their success in the regular season, it was Russell Westbrook. Now you introduce the playoff way to play basketball where everything's a little bit more intense, everything's a bit more purposeful and the way you are guarded the way you are protected or not makes a big difference and in the playoffs Houston decided to put as many men possible on Russell Westbrook and let him score as many want as many buckets as he wants but uh, you guard everybody else and you don't have enough to win games and that's how Houston with James Harden and company got the jobs done pretty quickly. I, yeah, you've resumed it well. Uh, I thought someone who resumed it very well too was uh, Patrick Beverly, uh, where so was Nemesis, who had to guard him during the series. Um, basically, the plan was um, Russell Westbrook's going to score a lot of points, and we're not going to prevent him from scoring a lot of points. So the goal was to make him take tough shots, make him have a low, uh, low. Uh, percentage low percentage shots and it was achieved and like the difference between both teams was very it was highlighted also as when Harden is guarded Houston has other options and when Russell Westbrook is guarded Russell Westbrook does shoot the ball anyway uh, there uh, with uh, there's no Luke Williams um, there's no Sam Decker so basically, they have they have Doug McDermott who had a poor series. Unfortunately, they have Alex Abrines who, who seemingly doesn't trust. But that like of plan that doesn't only include Russell Westbrook scoring the ball. One is what decided the series basically for. And um, okay, see, I'm not that surprised by the way by by the result. No, and it's kind of a shame in the way that uh, the way the 
the season unfolded with Houston's great season and OKC's, uh, as expected, maybe type of season, finished sixth and Houston third. You kind of maybe expected uh, one of those two teams to maybe battle each other further down the road in the playoff. And it's unfortunate that Kansas City is out of the playoff, but it was kind of to expect when you really looked at the death. And death is the most important characteristic of a team in the playoff because, well, of the defensive coverage, because of you're not always going to get the most amount of looks and shots. And uh, okay, uh, the Houston's performance against OKC, where I remember the press conference you were talking about, where uh, the player that was covering uh, Russell Westbrook was saying, look, you, you, you scored... Beverly, yeah. yeah, Beverly. He said, you scored 42 points, but it took you 34 shots to do it. And while you do those, those 34 shots... Exactly. Your team, your teammates are not draining any. Yeah, pretty much, and uh, that's what that that's what decided uh, the fate of the series. And Ru- Russell Westbrook, while being one of the top five players in the NBA uh, right now, um, he has a team that's built around him that's not efficient. And uh, he's partly to blame for the early elimination of OKC, but part of the blame goes on the general manager, Sam Presti, too, who will have a lot of work to do in the offseason. Expect OKC uh, to be uh, one of the most active teams in the offseason because they have one Russell Westbrook to please. An active team in the offseason last year was the Warriors. And they, even though through adversity with Kevin Durant in and out of the lineup, with Steve Kerr, their head coach, being sidelined with a trouble with a back injury that took him out for half the season in 2015, uh, he, he still has pain and uh, it, to having some issues with uh, consequences of that surgery. So he missed a few games and probably going to miss uh, some more. They still won easily a sweep of Portland. It never was in trouble for the Warriors. And with Kevin Durant in and out of the lineup with the calf problem, it doesn't really matter. It's the entire team, and it's not just a few players maybe right now. Uh, yeah, the the problem with Portland is they're a bit of a one-trick pony. Um, they're very good offensively. They have a very strong backcourt. Um, Yusuf Nurkic, who supercharged the team when he was traded to, uh, to the trade deadline, missed two of the four games in the series, which was critical. And it just came down to, oh, they had the players to guard everybody else. Um, it dictates uh, what what's going to happen on uh, on the floor. And they did uh, for four straight games. Um, it was very, very... Um, uh, spirited season from uh, the uh, from the uh, what the um, Trailblazers they've fought their way into the playoffs. They're not even supposed to make the playoffs at the start. They have to be ashamed of themselves. They just have to be difficult draw. A different games. I know they could have maybe pushed to six games, yeah. but um, but um, it was pretty straightforward uh, ass kicking. Against uh, Golden. Um, speaking of which, I've heard uh, Steve Kerr is going to miss uh, the rest of the with this injury, and wow. he might retire from coaching because he is in a lot of pain right now. Yeah, he, and he and doesn't he, know if he, like he was in a lot of pain all season, and be this would be a terrible blow to the Golden State Warriors yeah. because he is the guy that took them from a very 
championship winning team. Like he's the architect of that. That would hurt the team. That would hurt them very much. Well, yeah, and if you're looking at the way they play the game, the way the Warriors play the game, the way they were built, the way they were built around Steph Curry, which, if you look at it in hindsight, he's the heir apparent of how Steve Curry used to play. And Steve Curry not only gave his knowledge to his team, but the way he used to play can be seen when you watch the Warriors, and that's interesting. And you have the Bulls oh, yeah. of the mid-'90s, like a big inspiration for the Warriors. And it would be a shame, and uh, Steve Kerr does not necessarily want to always be under pain medication, which explains his discomfort in the day-to-day life as well right now, which puts mm-hmm. a lot of pressure on everything he does. And if you think about back injuries, the back is one of your parts of your body that you use in anything you do. In everything you do. So it's a big blow for the Warriors, but I just hope that Steve Kerr can manage and get the pain and get a situation under control because it's been multiple operations now to try to fix the situation and it hasn't been successful. Oh, yeah. It's been two op- operations right now and he's uh, he's still in a lot of pain. And uh, you were talking about his um, his playing style. He is basically, He has basically played for the two most successful coaches in the history of the NBA. We are Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich. And uh, he uh, he has learned a lot from them. Uh, and I think it shows that the warrior style that he has a lot of, uh, yeah, some Mike D'Antoni in there too, because he was, uh, he was a general manager when Mike D'Antoni was a coach in Phoenix. Like the, the Warriors have a lot of weapons, but the way, um, Steve uh, Steve Kerr put two and two together is what makes them special. And this is funny because for some weird reason, this is a third straight show I record that I talk about Indianapolis or Indy as a city or as a sports market. Mm-hmm. I've talked about the Indy 500 on my F1 show last night. I've talked okay. about Indy's 11 soccer team this morning on Soccer Today. And then right now we're going to talk about the Pacers, which were eliminated in four games by Cleveland. Last week, we talked about the moment where LeBron said, enough, and I'm going to take over this series and it's going to be done with. And that's exactly what happened. It was done with. Yeah, um, there was only one close game in that series, which was game one, uh, where uh, CJ Miles missed the go-ahead and criticized Paul George from there. And, and like, from there, everything started falling apart. I think it's been a little bit of other players in the... Uh, in the locker room, which is not a good thing. Uh, George will be a free agent next year. Uh, there are rumors that he's Los Angeles, and uh, as as valiant of an effort the Pacers made to build around him this year, um, great lessons you have to take from this series. Not slap together a uh, championship team like not the assets are available to you. With assets and like have the coach make it work. Oh, Kevin, I hate this mentality that that is like uh, get the most talented player. Figure it out. In some cases, applies. In this case, it was a complete failure. In um, in uh... and last week when we were talking about oh big surprises upset. Boston was down two games, and there was a lot of worry. People were talking about how Boston might be the worst number one seed ever. How things have changed in one week. Three straight wins by the Celtics, and the Bulls are facing elimination. Yes. Um, the, key, the key moment in that series was uh, Rajon Rondo's thumb injury. 
Uh, Rajon Rondo broke his thumb in uh, game two and like the badass that he is, uh, finished game two anyway, but uh, he cannot play with his broken thumb. Uh, I've heard he was trying to make a comeback for a game five, but it's a pretty significant injury for a point guard who needs to handle the ball all evening. And now that the guy who knows Brad Stevens' playbook was out, um, it even it evened uh, the forces a little bit. And Boston's more younger, grittier, more talented core kind of took over from the aging legs of the uh, of the Chicago Bulls. Um, Isaiah Thomas kind of washed away his torpor and started producing and started like getting to the rim. Well, yeah. And yep, go ahead. I was gonna say you can't really blame the guy though when you when you learn the type of news that you learn of the passing of your sister and the circumstances around it and the moment the pressure it takes mm-hmm. a few days if not like a week to process everything mm-hmm. and then you can yeah, get no, back to the regular yeah, yeah go ahead I was gonna then you can get get back to focusing on actually playing correctly yes actually actually and uh, I agree with I agree with you and uh, it was just a very unfortunate timing for uh for isaiah thomas and it seems like you're going to be able to salvage the first round uh don't count don't count the bulls out though like this this series might very well go to seven games um there the bulls still have a size advantage they're still uh they still have the experience advantage so don't count the bulls out but i think the celtics are going to build are going to be able to squeeze it in and like I have predicted on social media last week, because what happened since last week's show as well is the Blake Griffin injury, and he's out for oh, the yes. entire playoffs. And I mentioned on my social media, on Facebook and Twitter, how this injury basically makes the Clippers the underdog and opens the door for the Jazz to squeeze in, uh, sorry, to squeeze out of the first round. And that's exactly what it looks like is going to happen. Now, uh, the Utah have the advantage 3-2 in the series. Clippers are facing elimination without their preferred offensive threat. Blake Griffin out for the entire playoff, and that's such a big blow mentally for a team that's not necessarily established itself the way they would love to over the last few years with the talent that they have. They they should have done better deep in the playoffs. And it, the, the haunts of the years before come back to haunt you, right? The the, mm-hmm. the fears of losing, the fear of losing, basically, when you know you're on the brink, oh, we're going to lose it again. And knowing the Clippers' history, <laughs> the feeling of losing comes back pretty quickly. And that's exactly what seems like to happen here. The Jazz are in my opinion, going to get the job done tomorrow night and eliminate the Clippers. I agree with you. Um, the, the key part here was that um, Rudy Gobert, the Jazz's super defensive weapon, got injured like 11 seconds into game one, which was a problem. And but and like it, 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 it opened a way for both DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin to just barrel to, barrel to the rim and just bully everyone in their way. And to get in order to get easy buckets, but now that Griffin is gone, uh, there's a way to stop DeAndre Jordan. I mean, if DeAndre Jordan goes to the rim, like you foul him every time, and every time he's a uh, and he's one of the worst free throw shooters in the history of the game. I think he is uh, next to Andrew Drummond, the worst free throw shooter in the history of the NBA. So he's so he's just, that's what they, the Jazz are doing. They're they're, they're fouling him. They're breaking the rhythm of uh, LA's offense, and Chris Paul cannot can simply just can simply not do the job all by himself. Uh, Utah is has no superstar on their lineup. I mean, if you consider 
Gordon Hayward super superstar. You're very generous. He's an all star, <laughs> but not a superstar. Yeah, that's a and, but um, but uh, he's there. Have depth. They have their they have flexibility in their roster. And now that the playing field has been even out, and that Blake Griffin is out for the playoffs. I think they have their. Uh, I think they have their work. They work cut out for themselves. Uh, big shout out to uh, Quinn Snyder, who is, as you guys know, it one of my favorite coaches in the NBA. Who, who really adjusted game after game after game, kept throwing different lineups at uh, the Clippers, and he's out coaching Doc Rivers right now. And the question, if the question is going to be, if the Clippers come out of the playoffs. What is going to happen to the core of the team this summer? What's going to happen to Doc Rivers? Because uh, there's going, there is going to be some directions, to, so, some decisions to take because it can't go on like this forever. No, exactly. And the disappointments in the front office of the Clippers will be very, very aligned mm -hmm. with the talent and the pay, like the amount of the amount of money in your roster, the amount mm -hmm. of big players, the amount of of talent and skills they should do better and yes unfortunately with injuries with stupid behavior over the last few years and usually it's around Blake Griffin so maybe they have to part ways maybe maybe that's the ultimate sacrifice that you need to do to, to get your team to a further along in the development path is to get rid of your over-reliance on Blake Griffin maybe that's the way to go because if you're looking at the last few years the disappointments are always related to Blake Griffin There was a um, there was a trade that was proposed by uh, one of Bill Simmons' readers on this podcast, who had a three-way trade with um, with uh, the Clippers, Oklahoma City, and the Knicks, which where the Clippers would send um, would send Blake Griffin to Oklahoma City, the Knicks would send uh, Carmelo Anthony to the Clippers, and the and the Knicks would get like Anus Cantor and uh, and a pick. And I really like this for the Clippers if they if they want to squeeze another championship run, because if they part ways with Blake and they get Carmelo instead, they get a guy who can stretch the floor, they get a guy who can shoot threes and who can clear the way for uh, for uh, DeAndre Jordan to attack the lane. Like it's a, it's a, it's a quintessential modern NBA four outs one in uh, yeah. lineup, and I like if they want to really squeeze it in like one last championship run. That's what they have to do. If not, they have to blow up their core uh, this year because it's not going to, uh, it's not, it's not going to work any better than it did in the past. This is not on the lineup, but I want to take a second to talk about Blake Griffin. Yep. And it, it's interesting sure. though, because if you go five years ago, Blake Griffin was touted as one of the top prospects in the league. The way he was playing was really close to the way the NBA was going, but it changed direction since then. Smaller guys, better shooters, more accurate percentage of three points, and better passers. It seems like the type of basketball that's been preferred by teams has passed Blake Griffin by. Uh, it's not. It's it's a good point you make. Um, there's also there's also the injury factor for Blake Griffin. He got injured over and over and over again. And big guys like him. He's a big guy. I think he's six nine. Big guys like him who are that much athletic, they they are injury prone a lot. So, so uh, I, I mean, there's there's a part of intangibles in there, but um, yeah, yeah, there's um, the NBA is going smaller. 
Uh, the NBA is going to a more skill-oriented game. There's still a place for guys like Blake Griffin, but the problem here, here and we've been discussing this on this podcast for over a year, is that Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan can simply not play together. Blake Griffin needs to play center if he wants to play in, the, in, this, in this NBA right now. And he has the skill set of a center, and Doc Rivers keeps playing him at, um, at uh, power forward. That's why when they brought back the Andrew Jordan, it didn't quite make sense to me when they stole him from the Dallas Mavericks. But it is what it is. And, um, and I think Blake Griffin is, needs fresh air in order to revamp his career. And if he moves, if he moves uh, from uh, the Clippers, don't be surprised to see him playing at center. Now, moving on to Milwaukee versus Toronto. Tonight, the Bucks yes. are facing elimination. Toronto, when they had their backs against the wall, responded as usual, but it always takes adversity. It always takes anger. It always takes a very bad performance like they had in Game 3 against the Bucks to, to, to turn things around. And yes, they have won back-to-back, and now they're facing tonight with a chance to eliminate the Bucks. A, a way out of the first round, even though Cal Lowry has some back problem. Cal Lowry said yesterday, it's going to take a lot to keep me off the court in the playoffs. So uh, are the Raptors better off? We've seen Serge Ibaka being effective. We've seen him poster dunk uh, one buck player in the last game. Are you impressed by the way the Raptors answered the call of adversity this time around? Well, I'm going to be an old man again, and I'm going to say I'm impressed with the way Dwayne Casey handled in adversity. And it's the first time in my life that I'm impressed with something Dwayne Casey is doing. Uh, <laughs> He's usually so low profile, doesn't really do anything. From taking envelopes but back in the days when he was to Arizona to uh, being completely outcoached by Frank Vogel last year and squeezing out of the first round. He's never, ever impressed me, but he was, he was uh, faced with a very unique challenge in the first round where the Bucks played four super long wing players alongside a center in um, in the uh, on the floor and it completely neutralized the um, the Raptors in the first few games and it had and it had notably um, Serge Ibaka having to chase uh, having to chase Tony Snell on the perimeter when they switched on the pick and rolls and like really clearing out the lanes for anybody else to attack and they just made they just made their lineup smaller again they had Serge Ibaka moving at center he can stay close to the rim he can uh, he can ha- play a more economical style uh, a quicker style a more a more uh, more aggressive uh, brand of basketball and right now i think it's the experience of the um, it's the experience of the raptors taking over this is another series I wouldn't be surprised seeing to, uh, going to uh, uh, seven games. Jason Kidd is another super smart uh, uh, coach, and he he has a very uh, very potent, potent weapon in Giannis and Tetokounmpo in his uh, in his lineup. You never know when Giannis goes nuclear and goes like for 40 points and 17 rebounds. He is, this is the kind of performance he can do, and. This series will be over when it will be over, not before, uh, not beforehand, <laughs> because there's are two, these are two oddly similar, uh, very aggressive uh, basketball teams, but there's one that's much more experienced. And what's interesting to me too with how Dwayne Casey manages the roster is when he realized that Norman Powell was 
yes. do a start. It was due to start and was bringing something that was needed. He wasn't worried about benching JV. And he talked to JV and said, look, I'm going to bench you, but you're going to have pretty much the same time, same minutes. It's going to be a different time in the game. And you're going to have your chance to be effective and contribute. And that's what happens. And as long as they're winning, JV mentioned, I'm okay with it too, because I do contribute to the games. And Norm Powell is able to become a starter for the Raptors in the playoff, seizing opportunity. And, you know, he mentioned this a few days ago, and that's quite it was quite ominous where he's like look i'm getting a chance i'm getting an opportunity and i have to take it you don't necessarily have a lot of opportunity in your career mm-hmm. in this league and once you have it you kind of have to go with it and that's been the case and that was missing last year for the raptors that type of energy brought by a new player that changed things up and challenges the status quo yeah absolutely and um that is based on the fact that norman powell can do a lot of stuff He's a very athletic kid who can take it to the rim. He can shoot a little bit. Not, he's not the greatest shooter, but like he can shoot open shots. He can play defense. He's a very, uh, he's a very aggressive, uh, aggressive player on the floor, and it fits. It fits the uh, the Laurie, the Rosen, Carroll, and Ibaka mentality. It's a better, it's a better, better fit next to them. And uh, kudos to JV for taking. Uh, for uh, biting the bullet on this one. But if the Raptors make it out of the first round and make it into uh, further into the playoff, I'm fully expecting JV to be on another team next year. Now, quickly finishing with the remaining yes. playoff, Washington-Atlanta. Uh, the Wizards are performing well, but you do have the Hawks with Dwight Howard that are not not wanting to to lay down either. They're going to put up a fight. We'll see what happens tomorrow night. What do you think in that series? Um, I think that um, Atlanta are very unpredictable in that series because they have all the talent in the world, but these are very volatile guys like Dwight Howard, uh, Dennis Schroeder. There was a great play from last night where um, where uh, Dwight was boxing out his guy uh, under the, under the, uh, the, the rim. And just leaving Kelly Oubre from Washington like a clear lane to dunk, and 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 Dennis Schroeder just lowered his head and lowered his shoulder and shook his head. It was very it was very upset by the fact that uh, Dwight didn't even try to uh, to block that dunk. I think it's it shows it shows some the, the chemistry problems in Atlanta. I think the I think the talent is not the problem yet. But uh, there's some definite chemistry problem. I like Washington closing this in five, but I can I would not I would not bet my life on it. Now you know sometimes we talk about the intangibles and how momentum and how maybe just a moment can change a series. And you know what? Take that for data. Change the series because now it's three two, and actually San Antonio are maybe worried, and the Grizzlies can maybe tonight even up the series. Kudos to the Grizzlies for Game Four, who they played a magnificent game of basketball against the the, the Spurs, one one of the most beautiful basketball games I've played. I've seen, pardon me, in a long long time. Kawhi Leonard put out a, a vintage anthology performance. Um, it finished in overtime with an old school uh, hook from Mark Gasol. It was just great. Um, honestly, it's a win-win for the fans this series. It's such a good brand of basketball. It's so dramatic. 
thanks to David Fisdale and his uh, psychological antics who completely work, completely supercharge his team. Um, I have, I, I have uh, my doubts on how efficient uh, it's going to be in the long run because um, because Kawhi, they still don't have any answer for Kawhi Leonard's uh, uh, mid-range game, his long-range game, his, his transition game. Everything Kawhi Leonard does, like he can does freely, and he can free up some guys uh, by attacking uh, the rim uh, or atta- or pressuring the defense. So I'm not convinced it's going to be uh, it's going to the Grizzlies are going to come out on top, but they are putting a fight and. David Fisdale really transfigured that team. Like that team had a very set identity, but he came in, moved some things around, changed some players' function this year. And even if the Grizzlies are a bit wrapped up in salary cap because of that stupid uh, Chandler Parsons contract, um, they're they're a fun, gritty, uh, up-tempo team that is going to we're going to have uh, a lot of fun watching. Uh, Next year, and like kudos to David Fisdale for really re-engineering the culture in uh, in uh, Memphis, a culture we didn't think needed re-engineering. You know, well, not just that, a a team that we were taking for for a victim in the first round, where we were expecting the Spurs to just walk all over them, and the Grizzlies are showing fight like a true Grizzly does, and now they made it interesting. And tonight, they can come back in the series and force Game 7. So as the Bucks tonight. So tonight, Raptors, Bucks, Spurs, Grizzlies, and tomorrow night, the rest of the games, Wizards, Hawks, Clippers, Jazz, and the Celtics and Bulls. Next week on the show, we will have all the results of the first round, and we will predict the second round. But to finish the show, as always, uh, our, our prospect of the week this week it's surprise draft entries players that were not expecting from the NCAA to commit to the draft that decided to do so and let's start with Aiki Anibogboku and I probably butchered your name and I apologize yes Aiki Anibogu from UCLA there's two UCLA players in there there's Aiki Anibogu and uh, TJ Leaf who make the jump after their freshman year which is really surprising because um, they were clearly made better because they complemented uh, Lonzo Be- yeah, Balls. Yeah, because they were skills. playing with Lonzo Balls and they had the eyes of the entire college world looking at them play almost every game. Exactly. Uh, I think Iconic Bogu took the better decision of the two because he's a big physical guy. He's physically ready for the NBA. And whether or not he becomes a good offensive player, like he has a place, like he's 6'10". He uh, he can play the five in on any NBA team, and he he's very young, so teams are going to like uh, the idea of molding him to their culture. So I think I, I think it's surprising, but it's ultimately a good choice. But as far as TJ Leaf is involved, I'm not sure what was the thinking there. He has role player potential um, in the league, that's for sure. Like I've seen him compared to OKC's Nick Collison. A guy who sets screens, a guy who can complete, uh, who can finish uh, some shots on the second unit. I can see that happening, um, but I think if he stayed in uh, in college, like his ceiling would be much much higher. Yeah, uh, but he, hey, if you look at it, the business perspective, all right. Mm-hmm. T.J. Leaf played with Lonzo Ball this year, so right mm-hmm. now you have the comparison, you have the footage you can show, you can do your highlight footage, and you have Lonzo Ball and. 
Ike and Nick Bogu in those those footage playing with you and you can say, look, I made them better. Uh, we're all good together. We, uh, my value is this. Next year, there won't be Lonzo Ball playing with him. He might not look as good. He might not have as good teammates, at least not proven teammates at that level. So, so it's a risk. His value might not be better after next year, though. Maybe I think he would have had the ball much more, especially that there's another big player who moves moving on, Thomas Welsh, who's a center. So TJ Leaf would have been the center uh, piece of that team, and I think he could have done well. Like, will time will time tell me that I'm wrong? Well, I hope for TJ Leaf. I hope so, but I'm I'm not a fan of that uh, declaration right now. And the next one, Joel Berry the second. Yes, um, Joel Berry the second from North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina, the the firebug uh, point guard who can shoot threes. He seems like he's very well. Like he's very smart point guards. Very uh, he makes a lot of good plays. He plays up tempo. The only problem is that he's very small. He's uh, only six foot tall. Uh, he I don't think he's very. Um, I think he's very big. I think he's 175 pounds. So there's some durability concerns. Uh, guys who are that small tend to get injured. There are some uh, concerns about just his size, about his, his, his capacity to play with uh, such bigger players. I would have waited another year if I was him. I understand his decision. Not a fan. Sorry, wrong button. And I actually mute myself instead of talking. <laughs> so that happens to all of us here. Yeah. So... Next one, Theo, uh, no, PJ Dozier. Yeah, uh, PJ Dozier, I don't think was planning on uh, doing, uh, on making the step. Uh, PJ Dozier played from South Carolina, who had a very good NCAA tournament run. They, they went up to the final four. He's a big, big physical uh, combo guard. Uh, he can, he, he can uh, put pressure on the defense. He can play a good transition game. He's smart. He's a sophomore, so he's um, so he's uh, he's got he's got some uh, some growing room again still. I, I I like it. I like I like the fact that he capitalized on the uh, on the exposure he got on the tournament because I like he's a player I don't think would have got the same opportunities if he stayed in school again. Um, PJ Dozier I think goes end of first round, beginning of second round, but I like I like that move. And yeah, you're right. He's taking advantage of the exposure that he got with the surprising run that his team did have in the NCAA tournament. He has a better value because of it. And this value might not be sustained with another year in college, which does explain the move. And I would probably do the same if I was P.J. Dozier. Now, Theo Pinson. Yes. Oh, that Theo Pinson, that is, I'm a very big fan of that declaration. Because I think Theo Pinson is getting uh, part of my friend the, sh- the shit end of the stick in North Carolina. Um, <laughs> I, ho- I hope he stays in the draft. Like he 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 tried the waters last year, but came back to school. Um, he did a wonderful job defensively in the tournament. Like he's he's a big reason why um, why the um, the Tar Heels have won the they uh, have won the championship. He completely shut down Dylan Brooks in the final four. He did very good on Nigel Williams Gus in the final game. Uh, he is not a very he's a very raw uh, offensive talent right now, but he has he has his place in the NBA. Like I can see that kid being a good role player in the NBA. If let's say I'm I'm Utah, I have like pick 26 and pick 30 because of the Andre Godala trade. 
I'm going in. I'm going in on. I'm taking Theo Pinson in the first round. That's how highly I think of him. And last but not least, Omer, you're seven. You're 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 seven. You're seven. Yes. No, you're seven. He's going to be pick you're, seven. Yes, I know. Not pick seven. Probably sixty-seven, which is not even a draft pick in the NBA. But um, he he came in. He came in at North Carolina State like late, and kind of failed to make a big impression. Like North Carolina State had a really ratty year they missed the tournament even if they had some big uh, players uh, he was he was he was set, uh, scheduled to be like mid first round uh, draft pick at the beginning of the year and now he's he's seen as late second round draft pick uh, i'm not sure i understand that decision but it's his and as far as he owns it i'm fine with it uh, there is some place for a seven footer in the nba i just don't think he's ready i think he's going to i think he's making a big mistake All right, Ben, I'm wishing you great basketball, great end of the first round until next weekend. We don't talk a lot uh, about it, but uh, you can follow Ben and Dead and Foley's his website and the amount of books Ben writes, uh, writes, no, reads. It's crazy. And he probably is the single human being I know that reads the most amount of books and talks about <laughs> it and reviews movies. And I suggest a great follow, Dead and Foley's. And until next time, Ben, have a great basketball. Likewise. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.